I took a deep breath of the crisp, pine-scented air as I surveyed the quiet campground nestled deep within Yosemite National Park. As a park ranger, solitude was part of the job, but tonight felt different. The stillness of the forest was interrupted by a strange, childlike whisper that sent shivers down my spine. I'm Chris, a lone ranger stationed at this remote campground. I'm not your typical ranger. Besides my love for the great outdoors, I'm also an occasional jiu-jitsu master and computer geek. But none of that mattered now as I strained my ears to decipher the eerie whispers that seemed to emanate from the woods. With no other campers around, curiosity compelled me to investigate the source of the sound. I followed the whispers, my heart pounding in my chest as they grew louder and more unsettling. They led me to a massive, ancient tree standing alone in the heart of the forest. As I approached the tree, the whispers intensified, filling the air with an unsettling aura. I circled the tree, and to my surprise, I discovered a hidden entrance concealed by gnarled roots. It was as if the tree was guarding the secret that lay beneath. With my flashlight in hand, I descended into the hidden network of caves beneath the forest floor. The air grew damp and heavy, carrying the scent of decay. My heart raced as the beam of light revealed row upon row of human bones, a chilling testament to the cave's dark history. A cold chill ran down my spine as I realized that these remains were over a century old. It seemed that roughly a hundred human corpses rested here their souls trapped within these cavernous walls. I was treading on unhallowed ground, an unwelcome guest in this domain of the forgotten. Accidentally, I placed my foot upon a fragile bone, and a sickening crack echoed through the cave. The whispers abruptly ceased, replaced by an ominous silence. Panic set in as I realized I had attracted the attention of an unknown predator that had been lurking in the depths of the darkness. I scrambled to find a hiding spot, my mind racing to concoct a plan of escape. The creature's whispers returned, now laced with anger and hunger. It was closing in on my location, inch by agonizing inch. With nowhere to run, I found a narrow alcove and pressed myself against the rough cave wall, praying that it would be enough to conceal me from the creature's sight. My heart pounded against my ribs as the whispers grew louder, reverberating through my very being. Minutes felt like hours as I clung to the hope that I had eluded the predator's gaze. Finally, the whispers began to fade, their malevolence receding into the abyss. The creature had moved on, leaving me trembling in the darkness. As the silence settled upon the cave once more, I knew I had to make my escape. Slowly, cautiously, I ventured out of my hiding place, every step calculated to avoid making even the slightest sound. With each passing moment, the fear and madness that had threatened to consume me subsided. I emerged from the cave's gaping maw, the sunlight warming my face like a long-lost friend. I knew then that I would never return to that place, haunted by whispers and the specter of unimaginable horror. When I was younger, my dad, his friend or his friend's family, my brother and I used to go on holidays to the outback. Now we live in Australia, so the outback is quite vast and secluded. One time, we were camping somewhere near the Simpson Desert, in the middle of absolutely nowhere, 
No towns for almost 1,000 kilometers, and all we slept in were swags like canvas tents in the shape of a sleeping bag. But you have a sleeping bag inside, and a thin mattress on the bottom. So basically, the only thing separating your face from the outside world is a little bit of fly netting. On this particular night, we heard a lot of strange, creepy sounds during the night, and while I was sleeping fortunately, or I would have freaked out, Dad watched warily as a dingo stood right beside me, staring at my face, deciding whether or not to attack me. Dad said he was poised to defend me if the dingo attacked, but fortunately, we left some food out, so instead of eating me, the dingoes ate the leftover food. It was pretty darn creepy, knowing that if they hadn't found food, they would have likely attacked us, and me in particular. When I was bow hunting with my dad in Nevada, it was about 45 minutes to an hour before sunset, and we were walking back to the truck. When you hunt, you hear birds, the wind through the trees, insects. Well, all of a sudden, it just got dead quiet. No wind, no insects, no birds, nothing. You could hear a pin drop. My dad stopped me and told me to get down low. I of course thought he saw a cow elk and so I got down and we stayed like that for about 10 minutes, just straining to hear something. All of a sudden we could hear birds, the insects, the wind. Once we got back to the truck I asked him why we were so quiet because I didn't see any elk. He said there wasn't any elk but there was something. I asked him if it was a mountain lion. He said something didn't feel right. I've been hunting these mountains for 30 years, never felt what I felt at that mountain. That was five years ago, and my dad doesn't go back to that area to hunt. Was spending a summer with my grandmother, who lives in southern coastal Oregon. We were taking a walk through one of the many, many little hiking trails peppered about the state, and it was beautiful. The woods were gorgeous, the trees were huge, and the ambient noise was soothing. Then, suddenly, it just stopped. The birds stopped chirping, the insects stopped buzzing and whirring, the breeze stood dead in the woods, the trees and ferns no longer rustled. It was absolute stillness, like a tableau frozen in a moment. I was spooked solid. I felt really uneasy, and a pit was rapidly forming in my stomach. I tensed up, as if by instinct, because it felt like something was near, something with the presence and gravitas to make the whole forest silent. Then it passed, whatever it was, and the sounds of nature started up again. To this day, neither I nor my grandmother know what happened. My uncle was with the Canadian fisheries as an inspector and recently retired. He told me the story of being in one of the Coast Guard ships, and he was to board a Chinese or Japanese ship, don't remember which was fishing close to the international water. They often do this so that if they have to hightail it because of something illegal, they can escape. As they were getting there, they noticed the ship being lifted from the water slightly and tilted to the side before settling back in the water and rocking hard from side to side, as if something huge rocked them. They thought it was a whale, but the Asian ship wasn't exactly small and whales don't do that anyway. 
The best they could make out from the broken English, they thought they saw a submarine rise underneath them only to go back down super quickly. Turns out it wasn't a US submarine either. Could have been Russian. It was on a hot summer night that I was out in the dark woods with my neighbor, whom I'm pretty close with. He was like extended family, honestly. The fact that I didn't even know we were going until that night when I was sitting at home in front of my laptop, playing video games. My neighbor came over to see me, and he asked me if I wanted to go camping with him and his family. It had been a while since we last did anything together, so of course I said yes. It would have just given us an excuse not to go to school for a couple of days. This was in September, so school had just started back up, and the coldness of fall had not yet come, so it was perfect. The next day, his family and I gathered our camping gear. We're driving down a dark road with tall trees on the other side of it. It was getting dark quickly, so we had to turn the lights on, and unfortunately, which means we would have had to set up in the dark. So we're driving for about an hour or two, but it felt like it took forever. My friend's dad turned left at an unmarked intersection where there wasn't even a sign saying that this was the right turn off the road. The road got bumpy and rocky as he drove over this very raw, unpaved road. That's when we came across a large clearing because all I could see around was trees and darkness. Where we stopped at this makeshift campground, I say that because there was no clear indicated spot to set up a tent, a spigot, a bathroom, or anything. This was truly camping just down the middle of nowhere perfect. Now I need to say that it was pitch blackout, and it had gotten really cold now that the sun had set. We were also higher up in elevation, so we got everything set up quickly and decided we would huddle up in the tent together that my friend's father had set up for us. But I just had this feeling lingering within me that we weren't alone. Now my brain was playing tricks on me, so I decided to step out and get some fresh air. It was eerily quiet until I heard this screaming noise. My heart began pounding fast as if it knew what was coming. Then we heard a wrestling noise in the bushes, more screaming from the woods. I was so scared that my friend told me to come back into the tent. Now, not only could we all hear the noises, but then as I got back in the tent and we shined our light, we could see something moving outside the tent, this shape. My friend's dad got a flashlight, shining it too at this object. That's when this thing began screaming and thrashing. Now we're all yelling, freaking out because we can see the shape of this thing more. It looked like an animal, but all we could see was this large shape, and it was terrifying looking from the silhouette. It looked like an upright deformed reindeer or something, and it had long claws. It was where we being pranked. I wasn't even sure. It screamed again in our direction, and we just prayed for it to leave. It walked near our tent, and we all kept our flashlights shining at it through the tent material, only revealing its silhouette. But one thing I noticed is it never came closer to the tent. It's like it was pissed that we set up camp here in its area. I get it. This probably sounds like some sort of amateur creepypasta, but tell it to my family, my friend's family, and me who have to deal with the memory of this thing. We stopped hearing it almost literally after we all pretty much urinated all over our sleeping bags out of terror. 
Surprisingly, none of us had any weapons on us. Somehow we all forgot. We got lucky that night, but who knows what would have happened if it were to come back and possibly check out our tent. Now of course my friend's dad regrets that he didn't bring any weapons. He forgot. He normally always carries a pistol. I went home the next day, and we didn't get any sleep that night. What was designed to be a civil day trip turned into a quick overnight terror. I've not been able to go camping since. I don't think I ever will, you know. And I'm also not sure what this thing was or where it came out of. I haven't really sat down to train research either. I don't really care. I just want to get rid of this memory. New York State is known for some pretty crazy things, from alligators in basements to criminals hiding behind trees. But I've had some pretty strange run-ins myself. I'll be telling you about my most interesting encounter yet, about a year ago, while on duty at a local town overnight for training. Myself and another officer were dispatched to a local residence for a report of an elderly woman gone missing while hiking with her dog on her own property. She was sitting on roughly 80 acres of land and couldn't have gone far. The person reporting was her son. He said she hadn't been there since later that afternoon when she set out with the dog towards the edge of the property, near the swamp area by their house. It would have been odd to just send two officers on such a call, but due to our small force size, we were using one car on solo nights to provide better coverage across town. Upon arriving on scene, we met with the son, who led us down to where his mother was last seen. He told us he found her phone by their mailbox, which appeared that she had talked to her son for a little while, but after setting out, had mentioned something about going towards the swamp as there were some wildflowers that had bloomed this time of year. This is why we had been dispatched as well. It also seemed like a good spot for bears, so we had to evaluate all the potential dangers. However, knowing how well populated our area was, not everybody always carried bear spray, but we did, so we could cover more ground efficiently and ensure safety if we came across any potentially dangerous wildlife. We walked for about 30 minutes, following the path around to where I thought she may have gone towards. However, after walking for a little while longer, nothing turned up. We then decided to double back and try walking along another path that branched off from the one we were on to see if that would turn up any evidence that she had been here. While walking down this other path at first, it seemed like there was nothing out of the ordinary, but again, no sign of her dog or any tracks leading to the brush, either finishing or somewhere else. This is when I began getting nervous because between myself and my partner, we could not find her or find any traces of her. Something must have happened to her since she left home earlier in the afternoon. As we kept going further, we began hearing odd noises in the distance. While I felt that we were safe at first, we both came to a sudden stop. These sounds were like nothing I've heard before, at least not on this side of the country. But it did not sound like any animal or person I could identify. Did you hear that? My partner had said to me as he looked towards the source of the howl. At this point, my heart was racing out of fear and curiosity, wanting more than anything for this night to end and for us to get back safely. 
I told him yes as my hands began to tremble slightly for both nervousness and adrenaline. The hair on my arms were standing and raising, and I felt goosebumps beginning to form. We then slowly began moving towards where the howl had come from, both myself and my partner keeping our flashlights out just in case whatever made the noise was anything dangerous. We walked for another minute or so until we got closer and closer, still no sign of any dog tracks or even footprints, nothing leading up to this noise or away from it. My heart began pounding out of my chest when we came within about 30 feet of the origin of the sound, which had stopped by now after hearing us get closer. And then suddenly, without warning, an odd orb-like light appeared not too far above our heads, making us feel instantly nauseous. What is that? I remember saying as I raised my flashlight to see what it was. But then, just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished. My partner and myself both looked towards where the light disappeared, and then we heard a rustle from behind us, not too far away from where we were standing. Up until now, he whispered that we needed to get out of here. This wasn't right, but his voice quivered, which was strange and caught my attention. This was a partner who was always very calm, no matter how scary or dangerous the situation was. We had been working together for years, However, this time he sounded scared, almost as if something else was out there, other than us. We began walking back towards where we came from for a while, while I kept my light out in front of me just to make sure nothing was going to jump out. All the while, we had been hearing strange sounds that sometimes sounded like a human, but not fully, at least not having the cadence of a person. It was more animalistic. He would ask me again if I heard that, and I told him yes. He was getting more and more scared, even though his exterior was seemingly calm. We slowly started walking back towards where we came from, where the sounds became louder and louder. This made it difficult to continue without completely freaking out on one another. Then out of nowhere, the one sound that instantly made me stop in my tracks was the sound of some kind of human cry from not too far away. He whispered SHH to me as he looked at me with his eyes almost piercing right through mine. While I couldn't tell what it was, something compelled me to move forward so we could see what was making these strange sounds around us, which led us here in the first place. Wait, no, come back. We shouldn't be going up this far, he explained to me. But even though he seemed very insistent about us going back the way we came from, I couldn't bring myself to stay quiet and just go while we could still hear all these strange noises where we were. So, while he was busy whispering to me about how we should leave, I began walking towards where it sounded like this noise was coming from, which only made him try and stop me even more. We both proceeded to go deeper into the woods, but the sound of whatever we had heard was now gone, and it was silence. In fact, the night itself was now silent. The crickets, all nightlife, had gone completely dead. But the inside of my mind was going crazy, trying to figure out what was going on. What were those strange cries and noises? What were the bright lights that appeared overhead? But here's one of the strange parts. At some point, him and I lost each other, which I don't know how it's even possible because we were walking within five to ten feet of one another. I hear him whispering into his radio, trying to contact me, 
but our radio communication was very fizzy, and somehow we had gotten separated. Joe, come in. Joe, are you out there? He kept saying over and over again, as I could hear what he was saying as if he was standing right next to me, even though we couldn't see each other at all. And as we're struggling in this disarray of a mess, this extremely bright white light shines from the sky, as if an asteroid had exploded up in the atmosphere, lighting up the entire night sky, enveloping me, and I assume my partner in this white consuming light. And the next thing you know, we're back at the front of the property, and it's morning time with the sun rising. The mom is sitting on her front porch with her dog, drinking coffee. She sees us and is immediately surprised. My partner and I are kind of looking at each other, freaking out, trying to mentally comprehend everything that has just happened. Feeling ourselves in our own heads and bodies, making sure we're not dead or dreaming. What just happened, I remember asking when the lady comes over to us and begins asking questions like, Where did you guys come from? Why are you here? We began asking her questions in return. Her name, was she aware that she was missing? She seemed to have no knowledge of her ever missing. And when checking the date and time, it had been about 14 hours since the previous evening. My partner and I can both vouch for this happening. I'll spare you all the new details, but long story short, after we had gotten separated by this very thick darkness, we were both enveloped in white light and somehow pushed through about 14 hours of time, ending up at the front of the property. At the time of this happening to us, it was roughly 8.36 p.m. at night, and we were no more than three-fourths of a mile away from the house. The woman who had been reported missing also showed no signs of ever being hurt or any recollection that she was ever missing in the first place. We did not report this, as we have no logical way to explain anything that happened to us. People don't believe me, and honestly, I can understand why. It's not every day that you witness something so inexplicable and surreal. Many years ago, during a holiday in Lisbon, Portugal, my friends and I embarked on a three-day boat tour into the vast ocean. On the second night of our voyage, the atmosphere on the boat was alive with merriment. Laughter filled the air as people gathered together, sharing stories and drinks while the music reverberated through the night. In the midst of the lively festivities, I found myself seeking solace and tranquility at the bow of the boat. I stepped away from the vibrant scene and lit a cigarette, my gaze fixated on the ethereal night sky. The stars shimmered above, and the moon cast its gentle glow upon the vast expanse of the sea. The rhythmic sound of the waves against the boat provided a soothing backdrop to my contemplation. And then it happened. As if from the depths of some fevered dream, I spotted something swimming in the water directly in front of me. Its form broke through the surface, catching the moonlight and casting an otherworldly display of red, orange, and yellow hues. My heart skipped a beat as I tried to comprehend what I was seeing. It was colossal. The creature before me was massive, akin to the size one would imagine a whale to be. But this was no ordinary fish, it was more similar to Ocopus or Kraken creature. Its vibrant colors defied reason and logic. The creature undulated through the water, moving with an unsettling grace. 
It appeared almost serpentine, as if a whale-sized snake were navigating the depths with measured poise. Overwhelmed by awe and disbelief, I couldn't contain my excitement. I shouted for my companions to come and witness this astounding sight. But just as I called out, the creature began to turn beneath the surface, causing water to splash and churn. In an instant, it disappeared from view, descending into the fathomless depths below. To my dismay, none of the others saw what I had witnessed. They dismissed my account as a figment of an overactive imagination, a product of the night's revelry. Despite my insistence and earnestness, they continued their celebrations, the events of that extraordinary moment fading into the background. In 2012, I did a freshman outdoor orientation trip for my university. It was essentially a hiking trip and icebreaker. With a few other incoming students and upperclassmen slash teachers as leaders, we did our trip in Ohio, but for years they had done their outdoor orientation in West Virginia, so naturally we asked what had caused the change. Apparently, the year before us they had been dropped off by the bus and the group had hiked into the forest as usual probably around 40 freshmen, 8 upperclassmen leaders and 4 teachers. A few miles down the trail, it's starting to get a bit dark, and they figure they'll hike for about 30 more minutes before setting up their various camps, they split everyone into groups to make it easier to meet people and more manageable for the leaders. Around this time, they pass a guy who looks as if he has been living in the forest for years mid-forties, super overgrown beard, clothes are dirty and falling apart, seems to have a few screws loose, etc. Naturally, this is an off-putting sight but he passes the group and is quickly forgotten. The next day, one of the group leaders sees him again, pretty far away, as he's walking away from the group. This is somewhat peculiar, but it's not completely unheard of for there to be other people hiking out there. On the second night, the same leader heads away from the campground to brush her teeth and use the bathroom. As she is walking out into the forest with her headlamp on, she sees this same guy standing alone on the trail in the pitch black with no light. This time, instead of walking away, he begins to usher her over. Understandably, she does not want to get much closer, but he begins to walk toward her holding a letter, asking her if she can deliver it to one of her kids. He shows her a picture he's drawn that shows the location of all the camps they have set up as well as notations for which camps are loud, how late they stay up, and other really creepy shit that makes it clear that he's been watching these groups for the last two days. At this point, she begins to freak the F out, so she tells him to leave them alone or else she will call the police. Instead of complying, he keeps insisting that he needs this letter to be delivered to one of the students. He explains that he is an ex-drug addict and that this is his last chance at redemption. At this point, this girl is about ready to book it to the campsite, so she takes the letter and tells him to leave, and that she will deliver it. Thankfully, he walks away, and as soon as he is out of sight, she sprints back to her tent, frantically tries to explain what just happened to her fellow leaders, and calls the police via satellite phone. The police make their way out there fairly quickly, find this guy about a mile away from their campground, and arrest him. 
They come to find out that he had a rifle, a handgun, rope, and a bunch of empty prescription pill bottles with him. The letter he left with her explained that he needed a human sacrifice in order to get back with the grace of God and gave directions on where the recipient should meet him. Needless to say, they headed back to campus three days ahead of schedule and the university opted to do the hike in a different location for my year. I remember that day as a day like no other in my life as a hunter. It was a cool morning as I ventured into the forest, eager to track down the prey that would provide sustenance for my family. As I roamed deeper into the woods, I spotted a stag. Its antlers reached towards the sky, and the way the sun glistened off its coat made it seem almost mystical. This was no ordinary stag. It was a creature of sheer beauty, unlike any I had encountered before. I aimed my rifle, my heart pounding in anticipation. The shot was precise, and as the stag fell, I couldn't help but feel a sense of satisfaction. I knew this kill would provide us with ample meat for the upcoming months, and my family would be grateful. What made this stag even more remarkable was a large, jet-black spot under one of its eyes. It was like a unique signature, a mark that set it apart from any other animal I'd ever hunted. The next day, I decided to venture to a different part of the forest. The thrill of the hunt was in my blood, and I couldn't resist the call of the wild. As I cautiously peered through my scope, I spotted another stag. It was a beautiful creature, and as I focused my sight, my heart stopped. It couldn't be, but it was. The stag had the same distinctive black spot under its eye. My mind raced with confusion. How could this be? Was it possible that this was the same stag I had killed just a day ago? I couldn't fathom it. It was as if the spirit of the animal I had taken had returned to haunt me. My hands trembled as I took aim once more. My fingers squeezed the trigger, but this time my shot missed its mark. The stag turned and our eyes locked. It felt as if the creature peered into my very soul, and the chilling sensation sent shivers down my spine. In an instant, the stag bolted, disappearing into the dense underbrush. I was left standing there, feeling an inexplicable unease. I couldn't shake the feeling that I had encountered something beyond the realm of the natural world, something haunting. I returned home, my thoughts filled with questions. Was it the same stag, or had it been a mere coincidence? About 10-12 years ago, I remember going fishing with a friend around my family's property in rural South Dakota. I was 14 or 15 at the time and had my learner's permit we can drive earlier in SD, so I took our small farm truck down to our creek with my friend. I grew up on a farm and the creek we let our cattle drink from was often full of fish. While fishing, a neighbor of mine drove by and said hi. We had some normal fishing small talk, and he asked if we would like to try fishing his creek on his property. We hadn't had much luck, so my friend and I said we would give it a shot. We followed him to his creek, and he told us we could keep whatever we caught if we wanted. He noticed we also had a 17 HMR rifle with us. We always have one in our truck in case we had predators around livestock and such. He mentioned he had some badgers digging holes around his stock. 
Damn, and if we saw one, he would be all right. If we got rid of it so his cattle didn't injure a leg walking to the water. We packed up our stuff and walked down the short dirt road to the creek. The creek was to the east of us and ran in the north or south direction. On the south side of the road, there was a hill formed from dirt when the stock dam was dug out for his cattle, and the creek ran into the dam on the other side. We went to the mouth of the dam where the creek led in and fished for a while noticing it was eerily quiet. Normally there would be a lot of noise on a night like this. No wind in South Dakota means you will be nearing all sorts of bugs, frogs, etc. But there was absolutely nothing. We thought that was strange, but fishes anyway. We were catching a lot of decent-sized fish. My friend was planning to stay at my house for a couple days, so we decided we would keep a few to fry up the next day for lunch. To do this, we needed our net and stronger to keep the fish. Since it was a short walk, we left our poles where they were. There were no fish big enough to pull them in and walked back to the truck quick. On the way back, we heard some trashing on the opposite side of the hill mentioned earlier. This was odd because we were just on that side while fishing. When we reached the opposite end, we looked to see if a badger had been there like my neighbor mentioned. There was nothing, but we could see where something had knocked down some cattails and other straw-type grass. What was weird was that way more seemed to be knocked down than what a badger could do and none had been knocked down while we were on the other side just minutes earlier. Either way, we continued back to get our net and stringer. This time on our way back, keep in mind the road from truck to fishing spot is probably 100 feet if that. We heard what sounded like a huge bird flapping around in the same spot as the thrashing. The only large birds we have in that area are vultures, hawks, eagles, and owls. I've seen and heard all of these birds up close before. This sounded much larger and the flapping was way more sporadic and quick than any of those birds moved their wings. It was very eerie and we started to get a little scared. We decided to hustle back to where we were fishing to try and see what it was. When we got there, however, again there was nothing. We looked at each other and mentioned how weird it was and joked that it freaked us out a little. Then we noticed something had moved out fishing poles. The two poles had swapped places. At first I thought my head was playing tricks until we saw our lawn chairs. This confirmed something switched the poles because they were sitting near the foot of the opposite chairs now. This really started freaking us out so we decided to start packing up and leave. As we were packing up, we started to hear a noise coming from the second dirt hill on the opposite side of the pond. Most ponds are dug such that there are two dirt hills on either side. There were cattails and reeds leading around the water to the other hill where the creek exited the stock dam. Now we could hear footsteps coming from the other side of the hill. We thought maybe it was my neighbor, but then we heard a combination of noises that scared the absolute hell from us. We heard the thrashing from before coupled with the flapping and a new noise. This was like a growling or snarling noise which made no sense. I have heard coyotes, foxes, badgers, opossums, and all other manner of animal I grew up with growl or snarl at some point. This sounded like none, and the footsteps were large and heavy, like a bipedal animal, not soft and swift like a coyote. 
By now, we were absolutely terrified. I grabbed the gun and we sprinted back to the truck. It was getting dark at this point. I told my friend to drive since I had the gun. We got in, he turned the headlights on, and we could see the splashing coming from the stock dam from where the truck was parked. We wanted to try and get a better look at what was splashing around, but were too scared. My friend backed us into the road, and we sped home with me, clutching the gun the whole way. We never told anyone what happened and have only mentioned it to each other once to this day. Does anyone have any clue what it could have been? To this day, I still get eerie when driving around the back roads near home. Edit. So someone has asked about my grandpa's UFO story, so I will share that as well. It's nothing spectacular as far as UFOs go, but still interesting in my eyes. I was very, very young when this happened. My mother had been divorced for just a couple years and had been working a lot. After she divorced, she moved us back home with my grandparents. She saved up some money and decided to take my siblings and I on a little family outing for a few days to the Black Hills of South Dakota. I want to say this was around the 4th of July, but I am not going to say I know that for sure. While gone, my grandfather, grandmother deceased and dogged girl but deceased, were sitting on our porch around 9 at night. Our deck on the house faced the west and they were looking outward. I would like to add that there was zero visual obstruction as they were facing a field with zero trees in sight. Our dog began barking and growling. It was not totally out of character, as she did this to predators that would venture close to the livestock or poultry. What was strange is my grandparents could not see anything around. As if from nowhere, they saw the UFO materialize almost instantaneously in the sky over our pasture. Our dog continued barking and my grandparents stood awestruck. My grandfather described the UFO as four large lights arranged in a vertical fashion with four smaller lights, orbiting it in a figure-eight sort of pattern. He said it seemed relatively close to the ground, but it never made any noise and there was never any dust lifted from the ground from a propulsion source. This was before camera phones were popular, and so my grandfather ran inside to get our camcorder. When he returned, it disappeared. My grandfather said that my grandmother saw it dart off into the night sky. My grandparents were completely flabbergasted by what happened. Having no idea what they had just seen, the consulted books our family actually had a very large assortment of books. To avail through that they turned to the internet. I can't imagine trying to research something like this, I'm on dial-up in the late 90s. But nonetheless, they found similar images with UFO headlines. My grandparents were very religious and never entertained the idea of something like this until they saw one probably part of the reason my grandfather was so apprehensive about sharing with others. He would not believe it himself had he been told. After this, they were very open to the idea of the paranormal and still maintained their faith. They just accepted that there were things they could explain through their religion and accepted that. They actually would watch a lot of programs on TV about paranormal stuff, which got me interested early on. I would also like to add, my grandfather is a very credible man. He served as a U.S. Army Ranger in Vietnam and worked on a lot of covert operations. 
He was relatively high up towards the end of his active duty career. We have several photos of him in the Pentagon, some talking with who I believe was the Secretary of Defense at the time. Not 100% sure, but I know was a high-ranking official. At this time, my grandfather was still actively working with the recruiting office at our local National Guard base. He had a very good idea of aircraft capabilities of most types of aircraft from when he served, all the way to the time he saw the UFO. He is seen, shot out of, and been shot at by all manner of aerial weaponry. Nothing he has seen had maneuvering capabilities like what he saw, or the ability to stay silent while maintaining low-level flight, and cause no ground disturbance from the propulsion system. He also claimed that had something been flying the craft, it would have to have been very small. A humanoid creature would have to be roughly the size of a child to adequately move in the craft. I've never seen a UFO, and I guess I've never technically outright seen a humanoid being, but I have had a strange encounter that is unexplainable by conventional means, and I believe my grandfather did as well, albeit a different type of encounter.